I think it's just more the fact that like he had two of them as live-in girlfriends, you know? None of us are surprised <laughs> that some of these guys might have like multiple girlfriends, but the fact that they're all living in a house. Yeah, well, he had a whole year off, so I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to find something to do, I suppose. Hello, my ball, all four quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to NFL. We've got a lot of news to catch you up on, and we're going to start our off-season series this week by looking at the AFC East and the AFC North. So we'll do previews of changes, what we expect out of those teams, and what will be the question marks going into the new season. So, hey, we've got uh, Ronan here. Hello. And we've got me dialing in from Iraq for the first time, uh, or Kurdistan, depending on where you sit <laughs> uh, <laughs> Size yourself, running any crack. I see that you are, or just past your big three, isn't it? Yeah, just gone thirty there last week, and yeah, had a nice family event last weekend to to celebrate. Just a barbecue, lots of uh, pork. You would have loved it now that you're not allowed any. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. And then this weekend, I'll be having a little shindig down in Cork for uh, non-family friends, basically. So yeah, it should it's all be pretty good. You know, a really big change. You're going to be a transformed person, you know. Maybe I'll start following basketball instead or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I saw, I don't watch much basketball, but I saw a bit about the chap uh, who decided to play in the championship finals and blew out his Achilles, so he's now cost himself a year of a max contract, essentially. Yeah. But, like, I think the Raptors just won it. The Toronto Raptors. So the first time a Canadian team has taken the uh, NBA championship, so... No doubt that will only reinvigorate America's open relationship with Canada recently. Yeah, good. Well, I'll tell you something. What, there's been 54 Super Bowls? Not a single one won by Canada. <laughs> Truly American. Like, and considering that the one team that has been rumoured to go to Canada, the Bills, have been cock-blocked from the Super Bowl in the most awful fashion, mm-hmm. that's a kind of indication of, like, don't even consider going up north or we'll cock-block you even harder going forward. Oh, 100%, 100%. Uh, so I suppose we'll fly into some of the bits of news. There's a lot of stuff that's happened, so we'll kind of hit on some of the bigger ones, and maybe if you see any smaller ones that I'm not covering off, just jump in on. Uh, so New York Jets have hired Philadelphia VP of Player Personnel Joe Douglas to be their GM after firing Mike McCagnan and uh, Brian Heimerdinger. Yeah, so it's interesting because obviously they waited until after a free agency in the draft had already occurred. People seem fairly happy with the chap who's coming in, very scout background uh, on him. But apparently, and this is this is going to cause some issues for the Jets' kind of team cohesion going through. Apparently, the issue was that Gase, the head coach, is unhappy with the signings of C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell in the offseason, their large money acquisitions. So essentially, they've decided to cause a lot of upheaval within the organization while saying the reason for the upheaval is that the coach doesn't believe in the players that they've brought in, which is a little bit of a problem. Yeah, and we're, like, we're previewing the Jets today, so we'll probably come back to Adam Gase specifically. But yeah, like... I think the fact that this organization, which kind of looked like it was going, you know, in the right direction, had a decent draft, you know, so like they had a good player drop to them. And obviously they signed Lev Bell and CG Mosley, two name brand stars that give the fans a lot of hope. And Sam Darnold, obviously in place, you're kind of hoping, okay, the drama's over. We're going to challenge for the AFC East this year. And then this happens and you're wondering, okay, this is very weird. This is very bad. And the only hope is that Joe Douglas is worth all of that effort, effectively. Like, he's coming from Philadelphia. Obviously, they've had a very good time 
the last few seasons. They've always been very successful. But there is uh, indications that in Philadelphia there were kind of the analytics side and the scouting side um, had different perspectives on things. And Joe Douglas was definitely from the scouting side. But uh, by all accounts, he's supposed to be an intelligent chap and very affable. So I think the expectation here is that here's someone who can hopefully make the team basically can speak on behalf of the team and make them look better, which I think was something that McCagden wasn't necessarily doing. He wasn't the greatest communicator necessarily. So I think the hope is here that you can pump up the ability to draft players because obviously you just spent your wedge of money mm. on free agents. Now you can scout draft players for next season, but also hopefully just make the team look a bit better. And with Adam Gase in tow, um, that may be a bit of a challenge. Oh, and Greg Williams, of course, as well. So, you know, Chuck Douglas is going to have his hands full, but hopefully we, be- we wish him all the best in trying to get this organization to go in the right direction after, uh, you know, a fairly bad five years or so. No, of course. More GM news. Again, this is a very unusual time of the year for this to be happening. Houston have fired their GM, Brian Gain, as well. This comes after he's been in the job for a year and was expected to be kind of the head coach's guy in that job. It sounds like Bill O'Brien is looking for more control, and also has his eye on a uh, acquisition from New England, which may not be too successful, given that uh, New England... So he's very interested in their director of player personnel, Nick Casario, and apparently New England have already filed tampering charges, so they don't think it's going to be easy to, to arrange. Although, from what I gather, I think his agent is also Bill O'Brien's agent or something, so they might yeah. be able to get this in the, you know, indirect conversations kind of thing around it. But... um yeah, this is. Uh, there's a couple of stories that have come out about Brian Gain and him not being very good in the last year, but it's very hard to tell in the immediacy after a firing whether that's just people airing personal dislikes or whether it's actually, oh my God, this guy's been making a balls of it for the last year. Yeah, it wasn't a very um, complimentary exit the exit statement given. Uh, well, the indications are that he was handpicked by Bill O'Brien last year, but that he's preferred candidate was Nick Cassiero, who's obviously is, is from New England and has a very good reputation working alongside Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the opportunity to become a full-on GM, where obviously you're kind of, you're never going to be GM in New England because Bill Belichick has that position, is something which is obviously going to be very tempting to him. And as you say, there's some agent talk there. And now there's talk that, like, if they want to get him out of New England, the Houston Texans might have to offer like a little bit of a, you know, a couple of draft picks maybe to try and sweeten the deal and to yeah. make these tampering charges go away. I think overall for the Texans, like Bill O'Brien has a large amount of control over the organization. Not unfairly. I think he's done a decent job, but I suppose the biggest issue for the Texans is that decent means like, let's say like Bengals, like uh, Bengals during their peak, like situation and I don't know he really needs to take the next step if that's an organization that really wants to take advantage of all these talented players that they have there both players like Deshaun Watson but obviously JJ Watch, David Clowney. I think it's it's not great for Houston but it was always an organization which I think there's there's internal power struggles going on there for a number of seasons now and this is just the latest thing and we'll see if they get their dream candidate or not or if Bill O'Brien decides to go full Belichick if he doesn't and just become de facto GM uh, mm-hmm. regardless. No, of course. We'll have a look at some of the transactions that have happened in the league since we saw last. So, obviously, we will come back and do a chat about the draft. Mostly, we'll be talking about the draft picks in each team's preview. But um, there was a trade that happened. We'll discuss today. Miami traded the second and the twenty twenty fifth round for Josh Rosen from Arizona. So he's going to be their new quarterback, and we'll talk about him in the previews this week. Uh, other big names that have been signed would be. Uh, Ndamukong Sue has been signed by Tampa Bay for a year, uh, 9.25 million all guaranteed. 
Gerald McCoy has been signed by Carolina, one year, eight million, uh, with half of that guaranteed. Seems to be kind of a, he likes the team cohesion on defense there and the chance to play his old team as well, as they had apparently immediately given away his jersey number and he was not happy with that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, the context here is that obviously Gerald McCoy was released by the Bucks and then they immediately signed Sue. As you said, now Sue now has Jared McCoy's old uh, jersey. So, you know, that's a bit of a dick move, I'm going to be honest, for someone who was a good servant for Tampa Bay. Yeah, multiple-time um, pro bowler for them. Probably one of the li- highlights over a yeah. period of kind of crappy teams. Like, who who got the better deal out of this? I'd probably say Carolina on balance, just mm. because I think Sue Sue is great when you're in the playoffs and stuff like that. He t- tends to fuck up his play a bit, but he is a bit of a... These days can be a bit up and down in terms of his motivation levels. Mm. But I think for Carolina to get another hog molly, as they like to call them down there. And I think, yeah, like Ron Rivera, obviously, is a defensive coach. Um, so he should be able to take advantage of uh, McCoy. And Carolina are one of those teams that when you look at them, if Cam Newton comes back, um, they could be quite competitive. So McCoy did talk about wanting to go into a competitor. And I think they fit that, that profile, even if they're in a very difficult division. And I think the other two teams, the Browns and the Ravens, as we'll discuss, were, uh, who were looking for him, are also in that difficult division uh, problem as well. Yeah, uh, I think course. Carolina, they also released McLeal, but he's terrible, so whatever. Yeah, and uh, Oakland have uh, decided to sign Richie Incognito to be a guard, which is, oh, it's always it's great to have him back in the league. Although, <laughs> with the announcement that they are now going to be the uh, hard knocks team, I imagine he is sweating it that they'll actually have video evidence of the kind of stuff he says and does in the locker rooms yeah. at this point. Richie uh, Cognito, Vontaze Perfect, these are the type of leaders you need in your locker room. Oh, yeah, 100%. And just a small note on Seattle have released uh, Cam Chancellor and Doug Baldwin, which is kind of two more pieces from the teams of old, kind of moving further into this kind of new team rebuild around Russ and the ground game, I suppose. Yeah, and they signed Ziggy Ansa, so, you know, there's, it's all change in Seattle. There's only, I believe, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and Russell Wilson left from their Super Bowl winning team. So, But that's kind of in Pete Carroll's kind of wheelhouse anyway. He's known for being pretty aggressive and changing the team over. Uh, mm. But that's the nature of the NFL as well. A few other big contracts signed uh, handed out to people like Julian Edelman. Your, mm. your, your enemy, Justin Tucker, got a big contract, but uh, <laughs> no fear. Kansas City responded in kind and gave a big contract to Harrison Butker, five years, yep. 20 million. And then some minor players moving around, like Ben Watson, who ended up being suspended for four games because he got treatment after retiring. That is mm. technically illegal in the NFL. Pernell McPhee and Shane Ray will talk about them just because they lost some pass rush. Mm. And then, obviously, uh, Terrell Pryor's back in the league as well. So that'll be interesting to see. Mm. And then in terms of extensions, Carson Wentz signed a big one, four years, 128 million with 107 million in guarantees. So this is big news, particularly given that this is a, yes, he's a, he's a, a franchise quarterback for them, but he has quite a significant injury history already as it stands. So this is an interesting one, kind of sets the market, it kind of sets the floor for the market for a lot of these newer quarterbacks, right? Yeah. So it's slightly below what Russell Wilson got in his extension. And what Ben Roethlisberger got in his two-year extension, but I think it's a situation here where, like, obviously Nick Foles left in the off-season, so and Carson Wentz obviously was an MVP-caliber player two seasons ago. So if he can stay healthy, um, then he's obviously a player who has a lead upside and probably has better upside than some of his contemporaries like Goff and Prescott. But that health, it's a big risk. It's a lot of guaranteed money, and he obviously looked for the guaranteed money and maybe a slight yeah. reduction in the overall figure. But I think for the Eagles, like they made this choice four years ago, 
they're pretty much stuck with him and they can only hope that they uh, manage to keep him upright long enough to continue making them a contender in the NFC. No, of course. As you mentioned, Pittsburgh extended Ben Waffelsberger two years, uh, $68 million added onto the current contract. Defensive end Cam Jordan from New Orleans has been extended three years, $52.5 million with $42 million guaranteed. It's a lot of guarantees on that one. Also, actually, I heard uh, someone else was discussing this, that the Cam Jordan contract is interesting because it might be the first contract we've seen them give out that is probably, that's almost certainly a, this is a contract that is beyond the end of the Breeze era in that team. So it's interesting to see how they're going to look at building post-Breeze. Miami extended quarterback Xavier Howard with a monster five-year, six, or 76 million, 42 million guaranteed deal, making him the highest paid cornerback in the league. And Kansas City extended Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle, one year, 11 million. Uh, the key to this one is that he was under contract on team options for the next two years. Uh, so this is an additional year on the end of that for 11 million, but it guarantees his contracts for the next two years as well. So he's now finally getting paid because he's been, for the quality of a player, he's been painfully underpaid for the last while. And then we gave Butt Kicker five years, 20 million. So why not? Why not? <laughs> And then a few other interesting ones in there. Kyle Rudolph got uh, 36 million after trade rumors. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a year to year option deal, effectively, but he'll get paid well if he does all right. Joe Staley sticking in San Francisco. Chris Harris is sticking in Denver after some ruptures from him, probably after that Javon Howard contract. And mm-hmm. Jerry Hughes is sticking in Buffalo. I think like is Javon Howard is he the best cornerback in the league? Probably not. But the Dolphins don't really have anyone else left to pay, so uh, as we'll talk about pretty soon fine i think it's it's a fine deal um yeah. you know if you're going to get josh rosen for basically nothing you might as well pay the players who are actually going to be who could be part of an actual rebuild there um exactly. so he should be fine no of course a couple of injuries around the league the woes in washington continue uh reuben foster has torn his acl he's likely gone for the season although there are reports out there as of yesterday that alex smith is looking significantly better and might actually be available before people expect which would be weird uh, Tampa Bay, JPP. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. JPP uh, injured his neck, and he's out until at least October after he crashed his car in a single-car collision. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. The rest are fairly small, but I would like to mention the Green Bay one. Their head coach, Matt LaFleur, is not going to be able to take the field this season because he tore his Achilles. <laughs> he's playing like a pickup basketball game or something, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. One of these kind of basketball games, yeah. And now he's, he's been, he's been, I think he tried to go out uh, like on a scooter initially, yeah. fell off it. I so heard they had, he fell off of <laughs> So they've, they've put him in a golf cart from now. Obviously a head coach doesn't have to be fully recovered. They're presumably back on the uh, sideline. They can kind of go in crutches. But uh, yeah, it's a bit embarrassing for poor Matt LaFleur. But, you know, hopefully he doesn't infect uh, Aaron Rodgers with any of that injury proneness uh, no, going forward. Uh, he's got, he's, he's nearly 40. This is the way things go, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 I know. He's only got he's only got ten years of playing pickup basketball games left in front of him. It's onto crime and punishment. What are they doing? It's probably Fowley's Tyree Kill situation has had a bit more clarification. All charges well, it says all charges have been dropped. Technically I think they're not pursuing any charges against them now. So they it's come out from the investigation that uh, himself nor his wife were involved in the breaking of the arm of the child, which is a positive the downside is that they have been found that they do use spanking and belts to uh, discipline the child. They reckon that there's been some injury to the child with bruising slash welts. They don't know who caused that, so there's still some small issue there, but that's kind of, I think that's a state-by-state state law type thing. Yeah. 
Now, the recordings at leaked were there and indicate that there's obviously the pair of them are not good for each other and they're kind of threatening each other. There's a, there's a whole storyline going around at the moment that reporting of this incident was a setup, which is just crazy if it's true. Uh, so we'll probably hear more about this, but then probably never actually get an answer as to what happened. What we basically expect at this point, I would imagine, is that we're going to see Hills stay on the Chiefs and probably receive between a four and six game suspension for tarnishing the name of the league. Is kind of so I think it was a four game one personal, that they gave, personal per- conduct, perhaps detrimental to the yeah yeah that's yeah. the one. Um, so like I'd, I'd imagine that's probably what we're looking at at this point, if nothing else has come out. If that does happen, and obviously. With the way things have gone so far, you can never discount more things coming out. But mm. if it ends up that the Chiefs are satisfied that he that he is allowed on the team, the talk is obviously he was due a big contract, and now there's talk that he is very unhappy with how the Chiefs treated him during um, this controversy, and that that may make him less agreeable to whatever deal or contract to get. Because there's obviously an expectation with this and with the suspension that they wouldn't have to pay him the top of the league or as big a contract as he was expecting previously. But obviously he doesn't believe that. He obviously believes he's been set up or has been treated unfairly. So, you know, you've replaced a controversy about his personal conduct, which hasn't totally gone away. uh, But now you go straight into the controversy over his contract pretty much straight away as well, if he does return to the team and they do choose to keep him. So either way, as a Chiefs fan... um, it's mess. not good on a moral sense, and it's <laughs> not good on a on a football sense either. Yeah. This has been just a complete mess all around for everyone. To be fair, I do think when it comes to that, though, like stuff like this, even though it's not he wasn't involved in the the, the arm incident with the sun, the other stuff that's around it and the recordings and stuff like that'll automatically depress any market that's out there for him. Full stop to start with, and yeah, like I think it's messy, but I also think that I think it's just a reflection of his history and then what's seen on this, even if it's not what was the initial accusation, there's still underlying issues. Yeah, yeah. That's the complication that comes in for the Chiefs. Yeah, of course. Uh, The video evidence in Robert Kraft's $25 handjob has been ruled inadmissible. They said that there was unwarranted surveillance on other parlor clients, so it's basically nothing's going to come from it. But the NFL may choose to impose a punishment regardless. So I think that is Tom Brady suspended for eight games, right? <laughs> Maybe. Like, I think this is a, a classic case of having good lawyers. If you have good lawyers, you can get down into police records and find out that lots of recording was happening and not all of it was directly motivated and under various constitutional um, protections that's not allowed yeah. in America and in most Western jurisdictions. So he's kind of got a, a freebie here. And that means that this uh, footage will never leak without someone being sued a lot. So it probably won't happen. He'll probably buy the tapes and burn them if he can um, bribe someone. But I think enough came out that it's obviously very damaging for Robert Kraft. But he has done as much as he can to contain it. And uh, and like the owners, will they punish him? We'll see. It'll probably be maybe a slap in the wrist, a fine or something like that. And if you're a multimillionaire who owns a football team, how big a deal is that really? Yeah, no, of course. This one I enjoyed. It's also very jarring seeing New York Jets levy on Bell. It's <laughs> kind of still getting used to it. New York Jets levy on Bell uh, is in the news because he's had 500k worth of jewellery stolen from him by two, as you've put in your notes here, if it's presumably now ex-girlfriends <laughs> who were both living in them. So he had a very interesting year, two live-in girlfriends living in his house who decided, fuck this, and stole Rolexes and diamond bracelets and stuff off him. Uh, so made off with about 500 grand's worth of jewellery, which is 
it's an interesting one, I suppose. Apparently, it isn't actually in terms of like the amount of jewelry. It wasn't actually that much. It was like a Rolex and kind of similar things. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, jewelry is quite expensive when you're a footballer. So that was enough to well, rack just, up just, half just a mill. Just ask Drew Brees about that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other ongoing thing. I think uh, one of the funniest things we got recently was Sam Darnold was let, like it was his birthday and it was coming up in and like in OTAs and he's like basically uh, and it's like Lev Bell oh like. No, we're not having a party with you, Lev Bell. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Le'Veon Bell, as we'll talk about with the Jets, uh, just another tasty storyline for the Jets to try and keep under control over the next 12 months. No, of course, of course. Uh, we've also then got uh, just a couple of suspensions. Quarterback Patrick Peterson of the Arizona Cardinals is suspended for six games for a PED violation. He's chosen not to appeal, which means it will stay at six because it could go up to ten, which makes sense. It also makes a lot of sense why, because there was initially, there was... Trade rumors swirling, but if this is what was going on in the background, you can see why they didn't happen. Deion Jordan suspended for 10 games for PED violations, so I don't see him catching on anywhere too soon. And Swag Kelly has been suspended for two games for that time when he got drunk at a Halloween party and broke into someone's house. I don't think the camp battle between him and Andrew Duck is going to come in his favour, I don't think. It's not going to happen. Uh, controversy corner, there's not a wild part of this time around. Uh, Jacksonville linebacker Telvin Smith says he won't play in 2019 due to mental health issues. Everyone's staying fairly quiet on this, but I think there's a lot of machinations in the background about what this means for contracts. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of what will happen with the money they've been paid out, because he already got a contract, uh, would be interesting. But uh, I think with mental health issues, thankfully we now exist in a time where people give sufficient space. You know, there's obviously a chance he may come back, just depending on how those things work out in the money side and his own health, of course. Uh, but hopefully both parties... Um, managed to come to uh, you know a reasonable agreement here. No, of course. Uh, Washington offensive tackle Trent Williams wants out of Washington, which we can't really blame him for. But apparently, reports indicate this is due to how the team dealt with him when he found a lump on his head last year. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's indications that at the time they thought it could be cancerous, and uh, it thankfully turned out not to be. But like there's very little detail right now. But apparently, Trent Williams was very unhappy with how the Mazungus treated him when that was a possibility. I don't know. There's no details there, but obviously yeah. if it's something like you have cancer, they were having conversations or he heard something behind the scenes, what that might mean for him financially or in terms of his contract. He's obviously super pissed because he's very strongly come out and said, I want out of here. And obviously as a elite left tackle, he has plenty of, uh, he'd have plenty of interest if the Mazungus were to allow him to be available for a trade, for example. No, of course. And the only other one at the moment is uh, probably to be expected this time of year. Uh, Chris Jones, the tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, is currently uh, not turning up to uh, OTAs and training camps, so he might be able to be fined. This entirely is coming from a. They're looking to, to arrange an extension two years in advance of the end of his contract, I think it would be. And yeah, essentially he's holding out, kind of similar a la Aaron Donald last year, that he's going to hold out until he gets it. Although there's there's a there's a theory going around that the reason that the Chiefs have been extending the players that they have been uh, is that the general manager of Brett Beach came out and said, "Look, we've said this to Chris's people. We'll get a deal done as soon as he turns up to camp." So now they have extended Harrison Butker, and <laughs> they're literally anyone who turns up to camp, they are extending them just to prove a point, uh, which is yeah. quite good. Yeah, there's um, other players out there like Duke Johnson. I think Bobby Wagner. There's some issues there, but like at this time of year, there it was mo- it was there was only one mandatory camp, so lots of people are skipping OTAs and stuff like that. But uh, we'll see if anything comes of these. I think 
in the case of Chris Jones, after, well, they did let players out the building this offseason, but I think he's young enough and good enough that he would be ridiculous to let him go. So. Oh, yeah. Like, like the, the, I think the big thing is, that, like, it, it doesn't make sense for him. Like, if I was him, I'd nearly sit out if I was him because uh, cause he was a second-round pick. I think he's only due, like, 1.5 million this year. Whereas, like, he had 15 and a half sacks from an interior lineman position last year. And now they're moving to a 4-3 four, four, where yeah. they'll have more chance. I think like. 3-tech versus defensive end and 3-4 isn't too much of a hard, bad transition. Typically. Oh, of course. Uh, so random other bits, Jamal Charles, Derek Johnson and Dwayne Bowe all 70 signed one-day contracts to retire as Chiefs. That was very nice. Uh, Chris Long has retired. Navarro Bowman retired as a 49er. Sebastian Janikowski has retired. Uh, Pacman Jones has also retired. Derek Anderson and EJ Manuel have all retired as well. So that was nice for them. I always like the kind of the one-day signings. Uh, speaking of retired players, I saw there's reports that uh, Calvin Johnson is... Well, yes. <laughs> Knocking he, around. He, 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 the, well, the context for the Calvin John situation is that there's been people asking him, like, would he do stuff with the Lions or would he retire as a Lion? And he basically said because they took money back from him from his signing bonus when he retired, uh, which they are the team is perfectly entitled to do, he's basically saying, I will have no association with the Detroit Lions until they pay me back that money. After he's been out and been publicly saying that, Apparently, he's been down at, I think it was, Falcons training camp and talking with the GMs and tipping away, having nice chats there, seeing well, the he's, story. He's, well, who has his rights these days? Like, I the, remember... The Lions still have his rights. Okay. Because I remember the, the there being rumours around the Patriots trading for it and all that stuff back yeah. in the day. See, the problem is that the Lions retained his rights, but because he retired mid-contract, Basically, if he unretires, they can have his rights, but they'd have to almost immediately waive him because if they take off his rights, they immediately owe him something like $29 million. Okay. So, <laughs> it's kind of like, poison pills in a little bit. But yeah, I just thought that was quite funny. Also, Chad Ochocinco has said he doesn't care whether he's given a job or he gets arrested for trespassing. He's turning up in a helmet and gear to the <laughs> Dolphins' practice. <laughs> <laughs> Bart Starr died at 85, uh, Green Bay Packers legends, dominant star of the NFL at the start of the Super Bowl era, so sad to see him go, but 85 is the right old age, particularly for people who are playing football in that era. Yeah, uh, but of course, uh, as a Chiefs fan, you have a great enemy towards him, because that's when the <laughs> Chiefs were also good, obviously got a Super Bowl around yeah. that time. They, I think, was he the one who beat us in the first Super Bowl? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Oakland are going to be the team on hard knocks this year, so that should be great fun altogether. Uh, we'll cover that in our next episode where we're kind of going over the uh, the previews of the teams, I think. And uh, Pat Mahomes is uh, the cover star of Madden 2020, so uh, let's hope that curse ain't real, guys. Only 30 touchdowns this year. Oh, no. So I suppose with that, we'll move on to our preview of the AFC East. Okay, so first up we have the Bills. So we see here, they've got a couple of additions here on Mitch, the offensive line, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, Ty Niseki. <laughs> You're just making these up at this point. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of movement on this team. Uh, a lot yeah. of movement on the offense. Cole Beasley, John Brown, Tyler Croft, Jesus, TJ Yeldon, Frank Gore. Yeah, obviously they're trying to put some weapons around the young quarterback here. They had a couple of games that looked great last year. Their defense looked fairly solid. So I suppose the main question we're going to ask of these guys is like a lot of changes with the offense, especially getting a line which something was missing last time there's a lot of running from their quarterback do we reckon that this will be what they need or do they need to shift coaching wise as well 
Well, I remember 12 months ago when we were previewing them, the big reason I thought they would not do well at all was that their offensive line was a complete trash fire. That yes, was basically how I saw it. And obviously this offseason, obviously Josh Allen managed to get around that a little bit and make them slightly more successful than perhaps I would have predicted, uh, no, although not exactly a contender. And they've made a lot of moves, none of which I would disagree with greatly. I think Mitch Morse is a solid player, uh, albeit a little bit injury-prone in recent years. Ty Neshke is like one of these kind of underrated tackles. Generally, he's coming from the Mazungus, and they've had a good O-line, and he was a decent right tackle. And Cody Ford was generally considered to be in that kind of, like one of the top three guards in the draft this season. And like players like Quinton Svein, for example, they're generally injury-prone, but they've had some decent plays recently. So I think the big thing, yeah, can that offensive line be improved? Because I think the success that they had two years ago when they had Tyrod Taylor, or Tyrod Taylor, um, was kind of built around running the ball well. And while obviously Josh Allen scrambling for a 100 yards game is very exciting and very interesting, as like the white Cam Newton, the problem with that is it's not really sustainable over the long run, and certainly not in the playoffs when you play the big boys. And I think what they want to do is re-establish the run game. Now, obviously, they still have Shady McCoy in there, and, a, and he tends to be really good when there's a good offensive line, but also tends to be a bit shit when there's a bad offensive line because he gets stuck behind the, the, the line 20 times a game in those mm. cases. So... If they could reestablish the run game with Shady, obviously they bring in Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon as well and Devin Singletary in the draft. If they could establish an effective run game that takes the pressure off Josh Allen and that means that the passing game, which I still wouldn't really rate that much if you add Cole Bleasley and, and John Brown, who are probably now your two best receivers alongside Robert Foster, not oh, really that, that much. Rough. That is a rough wide receiver. Yeah. Not, 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 not much to get excited about there and Tyler Croft is your, your tight end one. It, 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 this is a team that's built to run the ball, but that suits McDermott. McDermott is a defensive-minded coach. He wants to, you know, run it down your throat and then let his defense keep the team, make sure that the, the score isn't rocked up too much. Obviously, the big question is they drafted Ella Oliver high up on the draft. Someone undersized, but very, very exciting to get pressure up the middle. But there are questions over whether he's a bit of a knucklehead during the pre-draft process. And they add some solid uh, pieces in the back end in Kevin Johnson and EJ Gaines. They didn't really lose anything this offseason. They just lost Kyle Williams and a few like bits and pieces from the offense that weren't really that good, like Chris Ivory and Charles Clay. So I think overall, they've added a lot this offseason, but they haven't really added any blue-chip players um, on the offense. And on the defense, there's some questions over whether those players... Uh, Ed Oliver can be at a blue chip player himself. So no, of course. I, I think they have a good coach in McDermott. They obviously aren't undergoing a complete rebuild like the Dolphins and Jets. Well, they haven't changed their coaching staff like the Dolphins and Jets. So there is a chance they could knock off a few wins from their fellow competitors in the AFC East and could boost up. But I'm just so underwhelmed, particularly by the skill players that they brought in, that I just don't think it will be enough to like, get them ahead of. I think they're going to be a team that no one will want to play, as the cliche goes but not the team that actually wins enough of those coin flip games to truly be a contender yeah. in the AFC East or in the AFC in general. So I like McDermott. I like the OL changes, but I don't think the skill players are there. And Josh Allen is not really accurate enough, in my opinion, to push them into being a genuine contender. Yeah, no, like that's that's my conservative. I think we were looking to see more development from the quarterback position there. The offensive line is significantly improved, but like with wide receivers like that, it's going to be difficult at least now there's going to be three running backs so they can just kind of run like a quadruple wing option maybe or something <laughs> for large states of it. Um, the defense is good. I'm excited to see how Ed Oliver fits in. But yeah, like I just I just don't see it there yet at all. I've I've got them going 5-11 and 11 this season. Um, yeah. there, there, there's upside there if 
they can get production out of the wide receiver core, but I just don't see it. Yeah, 6 and 10 here, solid unit, but they just need to add blue chip players, I think, in the next offseason if they're going to make that next step. No, of course. Next up, we have the Dolphins. Uh, they have the major additions, I suppose, are going to be the, the two new quarterbacks. So they first brought in uh, Fitzmagic to kind of excite them all. By the way, if you want to have a lot of fun, go online. Uh, someone decided to just that they really wanted to see what it would look like if Ryan Fitzpatrick's hair and beard were swapped. And it looks uh, absolutely phenomenal. It is great crack. Uh, and then, as we mentioned in the news section, they traded for Josh Rosen. This is all, obviously, with the new head coach, Brian Flores, being in there. They also added uh, Christian Wilkins on the defensive line. Uh, this is a big turnaround because, obviously, they're finally giving up on the, hey, this is finally going to be his breakout year, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, <laughs> Danny avendola has gone. Frank Gore is gone. It's just sad because I kind of like the idea of him finishing up in Miami because that's where he's yeah. from beforehand. Uh, lost Cam Wake. Robert Quinn can lost Juwan James. But, uh, yeah, so there's obviously there's a camp battle for quarterback going on. I see Fitzpatrick probably winning it because Rosen didn't look ready last year. And when he's picking up a new... Now, that said, even with the dumpster fire the Dolphins is, it might be kind of a more stable place to try and figure out what's going on than what was going on in Arizona last year. But yeah. I just I see Fitzpatrick taking it for the first probably 10 weeks and then them just having the reins over to see what they've got with, 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 with Rosen after that. The problem is the Dolphins aren't that much different from where they were last year in my head in that I still don't know what they want to do. I don't know what their offensive or defensive identity really is at the moment. Uh, they've got two question marks at quarterback rather than one, which I suppose is kind of an improvement. Like you've, <laughs> at, least, at, least if you, at least they've got two chances at it uh, yeah. this time around. I don't, I don't fully get it. I like the picking up of Josh Rosen, but I don't think it's a move for this year. I think this is a team that knows they're not in contention this year. But the, I think it is very similar to Arizona in the sense that Arizona was a team that was really in a rebuild mode. I know it had a couple maybe more stars like David Johnson and Pat Pete, but and Dolphins are maybe a level below that. Um, but this is a full rebuild. Like You basically got rid of your best offensive lineman in Juwan James, and you got rid of Cam Wake, one of your leaders in the locker room. And yeah, you bring in Josh Rosen, who's basically going to be on a cheap contract for three years. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, is just a bridge quarterback at this stage. Uh, well, always has been, to be honest. So I think that the big question is, Brian Flores, he's coming from New England tree. They generally want to build from everywhere. They're going to pick up players, churn the roster, move everything over. But then the question for you is, what is the minimum number of games you need to win to not just be shit-canned uh, or basically be all basically on the hot seat within a year? Like, this is mm. someone who's coming from Bill Belichick's tree, obviously someone who wants to build his team over time and, you know, through the draft and stuff like that. So the question is, will he be able to get enough wins and keep them relevant enough that the fans and the front office, which obviously isn't known for its patience, um, really, um, to kind of do that process if he is capable of doing that? I think for them, having a quarterback battle maybe is good because you can kind of blame it on the quarterbacks at the end of the season if things didn't go well. But I think... The fact that they've torn this team down so much, like they're still like going to be trotting out Devontae Parker, for example. Like their defense is very, very thin in the linebacker core, for example. And there's just a lot of holes in this roster. Like for me, this is about damage limitation this season. They're not a contender. And it's just, I think the, the, the meta game here for Miami is more the three year plan, the four year plan. Can they stick to it? And can Flores like eke enough out of them, which Bill Check is obviously very good at getting good results out of mediocre players to keep them, you know, in in respectability. 
after this season and beyond while he does his thing. So for the Dolphins, I don't think that will happen. I'm like these Belichick imports often don't work out because they're not Bill Belichick. But for Miami, they at least have to give this a fair shot. But hopefully, and, and avoid the Arizona situation effectively. So what are you so, going? I have been going three and thirteen. Uh, I yeah. don't see them doing very well, and that's maybe just above, like just about the minimum threshold where he won't get fired after one season. But it's Miami, so you never really know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I think what they need. He can have three wins, but if one of those wins is against a, a, a resurgent Jets team or something like that late, and it's with the with Rosen under center, they might go. Well, there's enough there to see how it might work next year. Is kind of what I think he's hoping for. Really, we'll move on to the Jets. Uh, so head coach Adam Gase is there. Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator. Joe Douglas is the GM. They added Le'Veon Bell, Kalichi Assembly on on offense, and a couple of others on defense. CJ Mosley and Quentin Williams. Uh, they lost. Uh, couple of people there so they lost Buster Screen, Jason Myers, Darren Lee, a few people like that so it's interesting as we said there's already news story cycles going about the trouble in paradise here with coaches <laughs> not uh, coaches not loving the offseason acquisitions and like just being a new head coach you get bought shiny new toys and you're like no these toys are shit like that is <laughs> That is basically what's happening. And then you've got Greg Williams, who is just a walking fist fight waiting to happen, taking over as DC. Like, it's a, that the weirdest thing I have is I'm looking at this. I think everything tells me this is going to be an absolute disaster and a mess. Yet I think they're going to do okay this year. I think there's enough talent. I think it's one of those weird ones where you're like, if he stays around for, say, three years, I think one of those years will turn out to be really good. But he'll get fired after three years, probably, because this is just such a like you've basically put together a, a, a coaching staff and a front office that we have no idea. Like Adam Gates obviously had influence in terms of getting Joe Douglas, but Joe Douglas apparently was a long term target for the Jets, so we don't know if there's any pre existing relationship there. Greg Williams is say you've got a coordinator who's obviously known for being a bit of a a prick, basically, and then you bring mm-hmm. in Les Bell to basically be your offensive star, obviously not known for his demure attitude. Like, you know, I don't I don't hate the additions. Like, I think Oklechi Osemele is a really good guard still, probably like a Pro Bowl level guard. That's obviously really important if you're going to get someone like Lev Bell because he's such a, you know, he takes advantage of his offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. And CJ Mosley and Quinton Williams, I think, really do just toughen up that center of that defense alongside the other Williams in the defensive line. I think the biggest question for them is, is their secondary, which they did a lot of work to fix last year, signing people like Tremaine Johnson, have they done enough on the secondary to turn that into a effective unit, or are they going to be trained up enough by Greg Williams to make an effective unit, or can they get enough pressure that's not as big a deal? Like, overall, the players that they lost aren't really big players, like James Carpenter, Buster Street, these are always kind of like, they were starters, but they weren't elite starters. They lost their kicker, Jason Myers. He was Pro Bowl last year, so we'll see how that has an effect. But yeah, I think the big story here is you have all of these combustible personalities, both in the coaching staff and on the field now. If the alchemy works, it'll be amazing because Sam Darnold, I, I still rate him. I think, still think he's a great young quarterback. But if things go bad, things are going to go dumpster fire real fast. So oh, yeah. the Jets, regardless of what you think about uh, how successful they're going to be, and we obviously... I think both of us expect that the talent is high enough there that they can be competitive. Um, at least, unlike under Todd Bowles, it's going to be a hell of a thing to see. And the New York media is going to have a great old time uh, watching this all either blow up in a good or a bad sense. Oh, of course. So what have you got them going this 
season. Seven and nine, solid. Uh, but as I said, this is one of those teams that has a high variance component, so we could see them go very much either way across that. Mm. I've got them going nine and seven, and with that, there was one or two games where I was like, well, if this is actually clicking at this point, then maybe they could pick up another one or two. Like it's 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 probably in the last couple of years, it's the best chance I've seen at someone actually putting a bit of a challenge in here in the AFC East because this is very much a one-sided division and the side that we're about to talk about is that uh, the New England Patriots you know uh, last year's Super Bowl champions uh, so the Patriots have it's an interesting year for them so they've added Keneal Harry who's their rookie wide receiver uh, Demarius Thomas who I'm not sure if he's still got knees left uh, Michael Bennett, which is a nice pickup, a very, very New England kind of pickup. But they've lost Rob Gronkowski, uh, depending on whether you believe the rumors that they reckon that Gronk is just going to come back at the tail end of the season. Uh, they lost Trey Flowers, Malcolm Brown, Jamie Collins, Adrian Claiborne, Trent Brown, Cordell Patterson, a lot of people like that there. So they, the obvious question that everyone is asking is, who are they going to pass the ball to, or is this just going to be like a full-on... Oh, I'm gonna. I think everyone and just go power running the whole time, like they did for part of the of the uh, playoffs last year. Because the loss of Gronk is huge. They haven't really got a replacement in there for him yet. So this is this is the this is the question. Is it's like it's like this is asked every second year. Is there enough talent left on this roster, and will they be able to find enough to be able to be as successful as they can, or is it just that Belichick is magic and can make any collection of players look good because he works to their strengths? Yeah, for pretty much. We're, 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 like basically at this point, you it is that until proven otherwise. Effectively, like you know, it's the Matt Castle theory. Basically, you mm. know, if Matt Castle can look good, then anyone can look good. You know, I think on the offense, we already saw that they changed to that you know run heavy thing. Gorkowski's actually a bigger miss there probably than even in the passing game because he's slowed down a bit. He's such a good sorry, run blocker. That's a bit of a, uh, a thing there. So you're trying to put together a tight end group with like Matt Lacoste, Ben Watson, who suspended the base. Yeah, I think New England, they'll sort something out. This is obviously one of their weaker groups, so they'll probably go through their classic, you know, slow start to the season, slowly build up an identity and go from there. And I think, you know, any of us would be incredibly surprised not to see them in the playoffs just because it's, it's hard to imagine a world where they're not in the playoffs these days. Yeah. So I think the big questions for them are, is the defense going to be better or worse? Like they they lose Trey Flowers, obviously a really good player, but they bring in Michael Bennett. They bring in another solid player, a couple of solid players in John Simon and Mike Pinnell. So even though the names are perhaps lesser, I think the quality of defensive line play should be roughly the same. And I don't think they've got any worse in the secondary, which continues to be quite strong in my opinion. So I think you know that the defense should be fine. And then on the offense, if the running game gets going, it doesn't really matter about Brady. But if they do end up relying on Brady more, will Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman be enough to sustain an entire offense? Nikhil Harry, he's a very intriguing player. I think he's got a chance to have a really good season up front. But we did see Brady have a bit of a decline last season. Obviously, he was a Super Bowl yeah. one by the defense. So once again, like Bill Belichick, it's like, can Brady just keep playing and still being effective? Until proven otherwise, let's just assume yes, and let's just put them in the playoffs because that's just the Patriots' way. Now, as I said, it'll probably be mid-season we'll be looking at this team and we'll say, like, oh, wow, so they're doing it this way. That's interesting. Like, oh, I never knew you could field five fullbacks. Uh, <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, it, it, does, it does definitely feel like right. a weaker group. And with the, you know, aging of Brady, even though he's only slowing down slightly, it's that thing of, 
he slows down a little bit and the weapons get less good. A lot of their games were fine margins in the last year or two, so it's those little tiny edges they might lose. So you have them going... 11-5, and five, number 3 seed, which is bad for them, going mm. out in the divisional round, which is also bad for them. Yeah, I have them going 12-4, and four, being number 2, and getting as far as the championship round, but not making it through the championship round. I wonder who you have beating them in the AFC Championship. <laughs> the Browns. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of the Browns, let's move over to a preview of the AFC North. We'll start here with the Bengals. So they've got a new head coach in Zach Taylor, who after... Months of struggle have managed to put together a full coaching staff, I believe, at this point. They added Jonah Williams and Bobby Hart to the offensive line. They also added Drew Sample, the tight end, who I know absolutely nothing about. Yeah, it was hard to find new players for them. <laughs> yeah, like, players didn't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. Like, they lost Tyler Croft, Vontez Burfitt, who's now going to be lighting it up in Oakland, Tom Savage and A.J. McCarron. Like, it's... It's so weird when you've got a roster that is like just nothing coming in or going out. It's just, ah, yeah. oh, we have a new head coach, but that's changed nothing otherwise. Yeah. So young head coach Zach Taylor, who I believe a year and a half ago was an assistant wide receivers coach, <laughs> <laughs> comes in and is hoping to turn around the Bengals franchise. It's a team that does have like quality pieces. It's got uh, good running backs, good wide receiver uh, it's got a decent, like a passable uh, quarterback. They do have pieces on that defense, although it's older and not as good as it once was. They're, they're doing a rebuild of the offensive line, obviously, knowing that the key is running the ball through Mixon and trying to keep it all upright. Because even the, the most successes they've seen in recent years were runs that were put to a halt whenever injuries derailed Dalton. So this is a team that I don't know why, but again... Similar to the Jets, this is a team that for some reason in my head I'm like, I think they're actually going to do pretty okay <laughs> this year. I don't know why. It's not like they've made any big additions. It's not anything like that. It's just I think that they were I think they were okay last year. I think there was areas that they made bad decisions or they weren't coached correctly in. So I yeah. think there might be the skill there to be a good competitive team. Like they won some good games last year. Well, you know the, the Bengals organization is one that grows from within it's it's obviously got the highest number of players who are who are drafted by the team whether that's because they they're like the old style green bay like we need to build from within or their owner's just a cheapskate is you know an open question but yeah like there is enough talent on this team that you could ask questions of them being competitive and to be honest the big like if they're putting like another division i might consider them more competitive but the biggest problem as we'll discuss soon is that they're in a very competitive division but like yeah when you look through the roster they do have blue chip players at nearly every level like they have andy dalton he's not a blue chip player but he's solid we know who he is and we know he's a he's like the definition of a trailer like he if the team is good he'll be good obviously joe mixon was really good last year and if the offensive line is improved i expect him to be even better and then you have AJ Green, obviously, being really good, and Tyler Boyd had a breakout year. And then you're going through the rest of this roster, you're looking at, like, a bit of a question about a tight end, uh, but the offensive line should be better. Question over whether moving Cordy Glenn to guard, who was their tackle last year, is a good idea in, in case in, in replacement of Jonah Williams. And then you look at the defense, Geno Atkins is still there. They have a few promising young cornerbacks, like William Jackson and Drake Patrick, and then uh, there's a few other decent players there. So it's like, it is a decent team. To a certain extent, I kind of feel like Zach Taylor, you have a new coach, an exciting offensive coach, and all you gave him was two new offensive linemen, 
and you're kind of like, okay, mm. like usually, like you look at the, you contrast this to the Dolphins and the Jets, who have already done a lot of work to either rebuild their team or to add lots of talent to a coach because you believe you're at a championship window or near enough that. This team is like, it feels like managed decline more than anything else. Like you're, you're losing out on players, your defense isn't getting any better, and you're hoping that the offense just becomes solid enough that that won't matter. And I just, just very uninspiring. It just feels like an organization where Zach Taylor's been brought in, not given any power. And I think a coach with that little power, that little say, which is what it feels like, just is never going to work out well in the modern NFL. So I just, I don't like the Bengals organization. I don't like the, the managed decline. But yeah, the talent is there for maybe an upside season, but. I think with the rest of the teams they have seen North, I just don't see it happening. To be honest, yeah, this is interesting. Is I think uh, of the ones today, this is the only this is the only team where we differ quite significantly on what we think. So your prediction for the Bengals is four and twelve. Okay, I see. I have them going nine and seven and staying competitive within a game of of the winning the division coming into the tail end. It's it's a team that should be more interesting, and it's really unfortunate that it's not. I think they had an opportunity here to. To sweep the table after a year of stagnation under like a decade under Narvin Lewis and yeah. it doesn't seem like they want to do that. That doesn't seem what the owner Brown wants to do. No, it doesn't seem to be working that way, but we'll see. Uh next up we have the Browns, the off season darlings of the NFL. Everyone is in love with the Browns. They've added in Odell Beckham Jr., they've added uh Kareem Hunt, they've brought in new head coach Freddie Kitchen. They've on the defense added Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Morgan Burnett, and Creedy Williams. They lost Jabril Peppers, EJ Gaines, people like that, Emmanuel Ogba, Jamie Collins, Kevin Zeitler. This is an interesting one. So obviously there was a little bit of what's going to happen with the coaching position, given that Kitchens was running the offense, but it was Greg Williams who was the interim head coach of them. So he's now off and he's defensive coordinating for the Jets, who we talked about earlier. Kitchens wins this offense. I've already heard a story in the offseason that the new offensive coordinator is not fitting in fantastically well and that Kitchens is actually taking control of the offense off him in the practices at the moment, which is interesting because that would be one of the concerns you'd have for someone who is a less experienced uh, coach moving up yeah. that quickly to that level of position, not being able to hand things off to the rest of the it's team. Time, it's kind of thing to get Mike McCarthy into trouble at times, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, oh, then they win the Super Bowl, so... <laughs> that's, that's true, but but to be honest, I think don't don't we all kind of look back Green Bay thinking like how did they only win one Super Bowl? <laughs> so obviously the offense looked quite good coming into the back end of last year, and now if you look at that lineup, it's crazy. So they've got Odell Beckham Jr., Baker, Landry, Chubb, and then after eight weeks, Hunt coming in as well. Like they are stacked in yeah. offense. Uh, their line is okay. If yeah. it's it, slight improvement there. The defense looked okay, uh, at times looked excellent early on in the season, but fatigue really set in the back half. So they've now added in Vernon and Richardson. Like, can this team, like, this team on paper looks fantastic at this point. Once uh, you allow, or you just discount the fact that there's not that much coaching experience at that level. But I think in this modern day, after the Sean McVay stuff, everyone is just kind of discounting that at this point and going, no, no, it's fine. So all, all everything should be super positive in the Browns. And I believe they'll do well just by sheer force of talent. I think there's too many talented players mm. on this team for them not to be a playoff contender. But I think it's like when it's when these kind of ructions happen that might prevent you from getting a number one seed or number two seed. That make a huge difference when you get there. But a lot of the offseason stories have been of discontent. As you meant, Todd Munkin 
already some rumors about him not fitting in. OBJ skipped uh, the uh, non-mandatory uh, OTAs. Uh, obviously, that's his right, but if you're a new team, trying to make the right impression, not a great start. Yeah. Like players like Duke Johnson hold on, looking hold on, for a trade. Hold on. Was he on a boat in Miami? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's probably moved up from that. <laughs> uh, and then Duke Johnson looking for a trade, obviously unhappy with the way things have changed, the signing of Kareem Hunt probably. So, like, this should be a really super positive offseason, but there's already a little bit of fraying there around the edges with your new acquisition with players who are, like, maybe feel left out in the new wave and Freddie Kitchens mm-hmm. adjusting to be a head coach. And you just kind of put, and then obviously it's the fact it's the Cleveland Browns. So it's yeah. like, oh, these little fishers, and you're like, oh, what's going on underneath the surface? It's the Browns. Oh, something bad's happening here. But, of course, as I said, the talent level on that team is now so high on both sides of the ball. You talk about the players like OBJ Baker. Don't forget there's players like Njoku who are very talented. And you have a, a crop of young receivers brought in the last few seasons who also looked quite promising in spots last season. And then on the defense, you have obviously... Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, two future All-Pro, maybe even Hall of Fame type players if they can stay healthy, particularly worrying with Ward. And then you add that with this Vernon, Richardson, Burnett and Williams from the draft of free agency, all very solid players, all players who should be an immediate impact. And you just go, like, ignore the surrounding history, ignore the Browns, this is a generic roster, top to down, and you go, this is a playoff contender roster, as well as the worry for me is that in a very competitive division, when they're really, obviously, the expectations are going sky high, can they reach those expectations with this drama going around them? Just given everything around them, I think, yeah, the roster is just too good not to win uh, enough games to make the playoffs, in my opinion. So I'm going to be 11-5, and five, which would actually be good enough for the two seed in a very competitive AFC. And from there, anything could happen. But I have them losing the AFC title game in my hypothetical scenario. <laughs> very good. Um, yeah, to be honest, I feel very much the same. I think there will be one or two bits where there'll be tight games where the coaching elements and the lack of experience will come into it. So I've been going 10 and 6. That's good for number 4. They're the, I think, yeah, so they, 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 they take the division at 10 and, 10 and 6, uh, take the number 4 seed, and I have them going out in the divisional round. But it's a good performance from them. All right, so we're excited. Please, please, please just don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't make up balls of it now, lads. Come on, you're so close. Uh, next up, we have the Ravens. So these guys made it into the playoffs last year on the back of swapping midseason to their rookie quarterback. They've decided to beef up that. Was it the, the third or second ranked defense, I think, in the league? At that point, so they decided to, to double down on that, so they picked up uh, safety Earl Thomas, who I think will fit fantastically into their system there. Uh, on offense, they've added Mark Ingram and Marquise Brown. On the defensive line, they added uh, Jalen Ferguson, Parnell McPhee, and Shane Ray. Uh, in terms of losses, uh, Joe Flacco has gone off to the Broncos. I, I don't think it's a huge loss, given... Yeah, but it is the most... Year. It's probably the most noteworthy loss. Uh, no, of course. That, it's, 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 it's the Lamar Jackson era mm. now, of course. No, of course. On defense, they lost CJ Mosley, who he said is now with the Jets. Uh, Suggs, who uh, was a big surprise to me, actually. Suggs, I would have expected to resign there. And uh, Zadarius Smith, as well as uh, Eric Weddle and Brent Urban. And on offense, they lost a couple of people. Buck Allen, Michael Crabtree, Alex Collins. So, I suppose the obvious question is... We saw a run for, I think it was seven games there with Lamar Jackson under center. They did a lot of play action. They did a lot of option, a lot of him running. They played to his strength at the time because especially it was, it was late season. 
you're not installing an entirely new system at that point. You just play to what your strengths are. They got success out of that. But the query that everyone had at the time was, how can this be sustainable? This guy is running more than a lot of running backs are. He's taking hits. They need to get him sitting in that pocket. They need to get him passing again. So the initial question is obviously, what is this offense going to look like? Are they going to move to a more passive? They've kept RG3 as a backup, which means they are expecting to keep a bit of that movement going. Hopefully, just maybe they're just keeping him as a totem to remind him to fucking like actually slide when people are coming close to him <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, then they bring in Earl Thomas, who's going to bring fantastic safety play to Baltimore. Fingers crossed, coming back off those injuries, like he was in uh, in demand from a number of teams. He decided to sign here. The Ravens offered him a lot more than other teams are offering. Nearly everyone seemed to be offering one year deals. They've given him a three year deal. I think it is still bitter, uh, Connor. Then you can go to KC. I would have loved to have had him. In <laughs> Could you imagine having Thomas and uh, Matthew in the same safety pairing? That'd be pretty mental. Like. But no, so I think, but I do think he will fit fantastically into the scheme here. Well, they have a tradition of great safety play, so I think he fits that perfectly. Yeah, no, he does. And uh, did you see the slight backhanded shade he was throwing at the Seahawks on uh, <laughs> during the week? He said, "Like, man, like the coverages. There's so many of them. It's crazy. We just paid cover three. <laughs> yeah, well, it works. So whatever." <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's it's an interesting one. So this is it's a talented roster who were able to find their way even through adversity last year. They now have an off-season to try and build around it. We need to see whether or not that was just them being able to react on the fly well or something that they can plan and build around. And I think that's the major question sitting around them. Also, they have lost a number of pieces on that defense as well. So can they fill in those holes? Yes, their back end looks good, but their front seven looks a lot more questionable. Like Suggs was playing like a 25-year-old god for the last year or so, and he's gone. There's a couple of players like that. So, like, what, what, what would your questions be here? What's your take on the Ravens? Yeah, I think the offense, I think it's a major question mark. I think, you know, they had a really good run down the stretch. Obviously got them into the playoffs. But then we saw in the wildcard round, the Chargers come out with a safety, like a load of safeties and basically just a very yeah. fast defense. They, play, they played and, seven DBs. <laughs> yeah, and it basically seemed to shut them down because it's a, it's a, it was a run game based more on speed than necessarily power and it shut it down they got absolutely wrecked in that game and so now the biggest concern for john harbaugh is whether he can change the offense enough that he can stop those teams like maybe they can do that like consider their 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 their, like their run heavy offense against the lesser teams but obviously they've seen that the really good teams and it's not hard to believe that bill belichick would be as good at uh, coaching up as the la chargers coaching staff so obviously that's that's obviously the the peak that they really need to go over so I think, you know, they got Hollywood Brown in. I think that's an indication that they want him, like uh, they want Lamar Jackson to be throwing outside at least a bit um, and not just throwing to the tight ends all the time. But I think Mark Ingram is a really good addition. He's a leader. He was a leader in the New Orleans locker room and he adds a bit more power perhaps than their pre-existing running backs. And I think that's just having a solid vet who can really like run that running game for them will be really massive for them. And I expect him to do really well this season because they will run the ball a lot with him and with Lamar Jackson and with their other stable of backs. I think, as you mentioned, and then therefore the big question is on the defense. I think John Harbaugh and the Ravens staff have always done a really good like job of finding new pieces to work on the defensive line. Like Zadarius Smith, given a lot of money in Green Bay, was a one-year starter and got basically nearly 10 sacks in a part-time role. So... Even though when you look at the roster, you're you're not really seeing any names that you recognize. 
for the Ravens, you trust that they have the people in the building to, to, to train up their players who have picked the right players, like Jalen Ferguson in the draft, and that they can put together an another good front. Will there be a step back? I think it's hard not to believe that when you lose players like Terrell Suggs and CJ Mosley. But mm. I think with the Ravens, you believe that they can still be one of the better units in the league on defense just because they have the track record to make you believe that. So for me, I think it's a solid team. I think that offense is going to struggle a bit more this season than it did in those seven-game stretch. I think people are going to key in on stopping Lamar Jackson. But I think by the end of the year, he may have evolved enough to become uh, the type of player who could make the next step that RG3 never really made. So I think they're going to be a solid team. And the only reason I don't uh, like that they might struggle to make the playoffs is because, as, as we've already mentioned, the division's going to be hyper-competitive this season. And so they'll need to do well within the division to really have any chance of, you know, being anything better than like a, either missing out in the playoffs or getting a low uh, wildcard seed. No, of course. So what do you have going then? So I'm going nine and seven, picking up a, the sixth wildcard uh, seed, uh, just over the Chargers, I believe, um, but going out in the wildcard round because I think against the very best teams, that offense is still going to struggle a little bit uh, when, you know, the team opposing you has the talent and the coaching to to see the weaknesses in Lamar Jackson. I think he'd be better, but not good enough yet. Mm. I have them, actually. I've been going 9-7 and seven as well, but uh, I have that that is not good enough for them to make the uh, make the playoffs. So 9-7, uh, and seven, but more room to grow afterwards. I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not... I think how he develops as a quarterback this year will define what they will look like for the next three or four years, because uh, they kind of... I think this is kind of almost like the year where they need to decide... Is this the route they're going to go down for the next build of this team, essentially? It'll be very interesting. Next up, we have the Steelers. So they've added uh, Devin Bush, uh, Mark Barrett at linebacker, Stephen Nelson at cornerback, Dante Moncrief, Deontay Jackson at wide receiver. They've lost a couple of big names, so they lost Antonio <laughs> Brown. They lost Jesse James. Uh, Jesse James. I'll take a leave. Uh, running back Le'Veon Bell, Marcus Gilbert, Morgan Burnett. This is going to be an interesting year for Pittsburgh. I have been less and less impressed with their coaching over the last couple of years. I think that they are not getting as much out of the talent that they had in the in the building, and I thought that was an issue. They've now lost a number of members of that talent, and you can see even with how they dealt with some of the players' holdouts of those players not wanting to be there or issues that, the way that they dealt with that would rub players the wrong way. I'm, I'm thinking they've just about got enough to push through here, but I I have a feeling this might be the last year that they have... Well, no, actually, probably two years until Ben Roethlisberger retires, but I think I think they're done with the with their coach as well once Ben Roethlisberger's done. I think Ben Roethlisberger's done in about a year and a half's time. I think this is, I think this post Bell and Brown era and seeing the talent that they had playing on other teams and the fact they didn't turn that into stuff is going to be an issue for them moving forward. And they haven't replaced it from what I can see. Like, Juju yeah. Smith Schuster is good. He is not an entire offense worth of good. Him playing opposite Antonio Brown was a huge impact on his numbers and his targets and his catches because he was playing against cornerback twos the whole time. I question this offense entirely at this point. Yeah, I suppose from my perspective, I look at Pittsburgh and I see a team who have historically, like there's two positions that Pittsburgh tend to be really good at finding players on, and that's the wide receiver position and that's the linebacker position. 
like obviously there's like beyond Juju Smith-Schuster, there's no really guaranteed hit there. Uh, they did add a new rookie uh, in Deontay Johnson, um, and obviously they added some players around as well. And like, will Eli Rogers, James Washington, these type of players who've underwhelmed so far, are they literally just bad, or have they not been given a chance yet? So I think it is perfectly legitimate to question Pittsburgh's uh, wide receiver core, and indeed their tight end core, which is like headed by Vance McDonald. But, you know, once again, similar to like, you know, successful teams are successful for a reason. It's because they know what they're doing and they tend to make the right decisions on average. And I think you're right like that this current Pittsburgh regime has perhaps wasted the year and not been as successful as perhaps the talent level should have been. Like the like Bell, Brown and Bot Roethlisberger never got to a Super Bowl, never really have been successful in this era. So you have to have major questions there. And they have James Conner. Can he like, be the same as he was last year? So I think the offense is a major question mark, but the offensive line is still there. And was pretty good and continue will probably continue to be pretty good, which means a lot. Uh, to be honest, that's probably more rated than whatever your running back is, or more important, really, at the end of the day. On defense, they bring in Devin Bush Jr. I think once again in this eternal quest to replace Ryan Shazier as their kind of leader on the defense. Obviously, they have other good like uh, linebackers like uh, TJ Watt as well. So I think that will be fine. And then their their secondary will continue to be a question mark. I think Stephen Nelson, he's a young player, a lot of upside, but I think as you would attest, he isn't necessarily an elite player at this point in his career. He hasn't shown enough to be considered that. I think he's one he wanted to re-sign, but not at the level of money he got. Um, So, yeah, I think, once again, not to the same level as New England, but I think the Steelers, we associate them with success. I think their offense will be less good this season, but they did deal with that bell last season and were still fairly effective. I think it's just, can Juju Schitzuster and these other pieces make up for the lack of Brown? But obviously Brown was a bit de-emphasized last year, as he would most likely tell you as well anyway. <laughs> so I think it's, it's like Ben Roethlisberger is getting older. Can he stay healthy? So I think it's a team that has a lot more question marks than we're used to from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that reflects perhaps... The fact that Roethlisberger's behavior has only ever, like, you know, his behavior is obviously not becoming of a franchise quarterback, both off the field historically, but now on the field and in the locker room as well. There is a question, is he becoming, is he still a positive or is he becoming a liability because of that? And I think the defense will continue to be solid, but with the way the offense will probably be finding itself, especially early on in the season, they're going to need to be more than solid straight up if Pittsburgh are going to rack up those early wins. So I could very much easily see this being a year where they they either pip into the, into the playoffs or they miss out in the playoffs. And it's kind of similar to a couple of seasons ago where a similar thing happened. But uh, yeah, a lot of question marks. They're very interesting. But an era in Pittsburgh has ended. It's a question, is Mike Tomlin good enough to build a new era? Um, I think there's enough talent there for them to be competitive. But as I said, it's a tough division. It's a tough AFC that may not be good enough to uh, get further than the wildcard round, to be honest. So yeah, I have so going have... ten and six, number five seed, knocked down the wild round as well, along with the Ravens. Um, so I don't see them completely declining, but I don't think they're like in the Patriots Chiefs stratosphere right now. No, I have them nine and seven, and again missing the playoffs because nine and seven is not enough for the AFC on my estimation. That's intriguing. So you have the AFC North sending three teams to the playoffs. Yes. But haven't you heard? The Chargers are scary. They're spooky. They're the favourites, according to every single <laughs> news outlet out there. I, I, like, I've already done some research on them. And yes, they're, like, they obviously, they will talk about it more. Like, they obviously had a good roster last year, but it isn't any better than last year. So it's really a question of whether you think the Chiefs roster has got worse enough that they are now equal or not. 
fair it is that what the Chargers do seem to have much better than everyone else is they do seem to have a much better social media team than most of the other teams. Did you happen to watch the video that they put out yesterday? No. It's phenomenal. I advise everyone who's listening to go and watch it. So they posted up a video. Basically, Philip Rivers is practicing with a visor and everyone's like, oh my God, he looks so sweet. So then he just <laughs> put together like this intentionally terrible, like, oh my God, looking sweet. Look at all this swag that this 40-year-old <laughs> father of 12 has. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's very good. <laughs> well, it'll be great for it, all those fans they have. Oh yeah, also. <laughs> so the, but no, um, so that's good. So we've already gotten so far for the AFC. You have your two wild cards. You've got four of your playoff teams already. Mm. Interesting. I've only got two of mine. Oh, exciting! Minor disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that should be good. So any other scandal with yourself? You've got your party. Yeah, back to back to the party scene with myself. And then uh, beyond that, back to work. Probably back into release planning for that. So I'm not really, I don't have anything too major planned for the summer. So, but that gives me the opportunity to kind of just do something on my own, kind of uh, small enough. So, oh, very good. Yeah, it's a long enough summer, but uh, How about it should rack? be okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the crack. Oh, there's no worries. You don't even, uh, need a, don't even need a visa for the party to I'll bring the sausages, will I? Oh yeah, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with taking them in. Actually, I think it's just that they don't sell them here because fuck all people will buy them. Yeah. The one thing I need to find is I need to find turkey bacon because turkey bacon is actually very nice, and there should be no issue getting that here. Yeah, and I always say I'm uh, getting packed up now. We're heading to the pool. We're going to chill out and have a couple of beers, and then uh, we're heading out to Egypt for like a mini honeymoon now. Uh, on... oh, nice. Yeah, it'll be class. So, are you heading to... to the uh, populated bit or the? Uh... So we're doing we're doing a bit of both. Mr. Livingston bit. So we're we're gonna go for we're gonna go for two days of like the Cairo, seeing the pyramids okay. and all that kind of stuff, and then we're heading off to Hagarda to uh, to the beaches. So I decided to go fancy, get like a five star resort thing, just gonna like chill out and uh, go scuba diving and snorkeling and stuff, and it'll be uh, it'll be great. Sounds like you should join the uh, visit Iraq board or whatever their tourist board is like. <laughs> <laughs> No, it should be good fun now. So, uh, yeah, no, no, it looks lovely. And then uh, I've got, I've kind of got summer kind of to myself at the moment. It looks like I won't be, I may have lined a job up now, but it won't be till September. So, uh, basically, get my study done because I have exams in the end of September, start of October. Okay. So, you won't be having to go Rob, Rob Gronkowski style summer of fun boat journey or whatever like that. Not quite, but like, I'm not, <laughs> I think it's nice like, what I'm doing is like getting up in the morning, making a bit of breakfast. Hitting the gym, coming back, playing some video games, and then like doing three hours of study, and then like, oh, that was a really good day. Yeah. I think I've earned a beer. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I found recently, uh, I'm sure the I'm sure the listeners who are still here find this very exciting. Uh, I didn't realize that they did enhanced editions of Baldur's Gate one and two, so they've like updated the graphics, the interfaces, and all that kind of stuff, and it's really really cool. So I'm playing through Baldur's Gate one at the moment. Well, you saw the E3, they announced Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I'm going to have to buy a new laptop. <laughs> and, uh, as, as it stands, my laptop doesn't really want to work anything because it's, it's very good for doing like business stuff. It's essentially a refurb business laptop. Yeah. But it doesn't have a graphics card. So it's like, ah, yes. it's like, oh, I've got, I've got like 10 gigs of RAM and a very good processor, but I don't know how to do pictures. <laughs> Video, oh, recording video. Not sure about that. Yeah, I recently, I recently bought uh, Europa Universalis Four to potentially join yourself in the last way. I can play it on the thing, but it says it can't run this. There's no video memory, and then it goes, oh, well, there's lots of other memory. We'll just try and use that. <laughs> it will work, telling itself that it's not working. Yeah, no, no, no <laughs> I, it's virtual, uh, virtual memory or something like that. Yeah, that's good. 
But no, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much me now. It's going to be packing up. So it'll be probably two weeks before, between this episode and the next one, because I'll be gone for the next week. Uh, yeah. But no, it should be, should be anyway, good. Fun. It's pissing rain here, so enjoy your sun holiday, yeah? Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's currently 41 degrees here. <laughs> uh, for the listener, I'm getting a really nice view of uh, Connor's uh, chest forest, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you see, because to record this and to <laughs> and to keep the sound quality at any level at all, I have to turn off the air conditioning. Yeah. So I'm in a room that's 41 degrees, like just wearing a pair of swimming togs just waiting for this to finish so I can go swimming. Anyway. Oh, my. But look, that's great. Sure, look, um, again, if you have questions and stuff, we'll, we had a lot of news this time, so there was no time for questions. We're firing questions. We might even see about if there's uh, people who are fans of teams. So next week is going to be AFC South and AFC West. So questions about those teams, I suppose, will probably be in particular yeah. quite useful. There will be no time for other people because you need much time to talk about the Chiefs instead. That's true. That's true. <laughs> true. Got to talk about my boys. Um, but yeah, I suppose that'll do us for this week. So it's bye from myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks so much for listening. We'll chat to you in a bit.